Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. I recently read some startling stats about how much less money women are being paid than men who freelance. I have some advice for you if you do any kind of contract work, especially, or freelance work. And later, you know, we've become so much more transient since COVID hit. Some people are able to move further because of remote work. Others are moving for financial reasons. Some are even moving out of the country to save money. And I'm going to talk with you about that on today's show. So, report from Bloomberg that women who freelance are earning tons less than guys doing the same exact freelance job. How much less? The men are earning 50% more than the women, 50% more than the women. And these are not, this doesn't mean like driving an Uber or a Lyft or something like that. These are people in uh, professional job categories or semi-professional job categories, that kind of thing. And so this is a significant problem for people, you know, with the gig work where, and this is not, again, this is gig work where you're Placing a value on your own services could be in accounting or computer science or many different fields that are professional or semi-professional fields. Men are much better at advocating for themselves than women. And this has been a problem for a long time. Uh, Some of the fields that they're talking about accounting, accounting, IT, administrative, design, software development, sales, marketing, writers. And so it, women have historically not been good at asking for pay raises from a traditional job. Men, you know, when you're working a W-2 regular job, when it comes time for somebody to ask for a raise, Guys are just more assertive about it. Women tend to be more passive about asking for pay. The meek do not inherit a larger paycheck. 
I want you to think about something I talked about, I think it was last year, I talked about the thing about truck drivers, that more and more truck drivers of over the haul, over the road, long haul trucks are now being driven by women. Why are women driving them? Because they're better drivers. <laughs> that may be, Krista. But do you know that in truck driving, the pay is completely gender neutral, race neutral, whatever, that you are paid strictly on a formula. You drive so many miles, you get so much money. Doesn't matter who you are, how tall you are, short you are, what you look like, male, female, whatever. You make the same money. As it should be. I remember reading one of the stories about the phenomenon of women driving the -the over-the-road trucks. And there was a woman that I read about who was working at a truck stop. She'd been there years. She was making $11 an hour. And the truckers would come in, and it's a tough life. Let me tell you, it's not an easy life. But she, having worked in a truck stop for years, she knew what was involved. But she knew getting the cab of the truck, she could make a lot more money. And that's exactly what she did. So women may really like the fact that you go drive for Lyft, you go drive for Uber, you drive a truck, you deliver food for door whoever, whatever the food things are. Anyway, I've never used one of those. I don't know how they work. DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats. Yeah, I've never used anything like that. Anyway, you know, those things, you make the same money no matter who you are, and that has made a difference. But there are so many jobs that you have specific training for that are professional or semi-professional that there's not going to be a blind system that determines your pay. So it's going to be you having to do it. You're the one who's going to have to stand up for yourself. And one way to do it, let's say you're working somewhere. And you feel like, you know, I just got this feeling that Jim, who I'm always having to help with his work, is getting more money than I'm getting. But you don't know. Go test the waters. See what you're worth somewhere else. Then you're going to feel more confident trying to get more money out of your employer. If you're working as an independent contractor, you're doing contract work, it's up to you to believe in yourself enough and your skills and your experience, do not apologize for what you ask for. I I deal with this a lot when people will talk to me about their pay and they feel like they want to ask for a raise or whatever, and they start defeating themselves by by having self-doubt. You know your skills. You know what you do. You know what you provide as a benefit, as a value to that place you're contracting for, the place you work, and advocate for yourself. And What's the worst they say? I have a couple of suggestions too. There are websites like Glassdoor where you can see what average salaries are at companies around the country for different jobs. And then you can also join like, you know, networking groups. Like there are many on Facebook for specific professions and talk to people in there and see what it's worth. And then if you're a contractor, you have to pay your own social security. And right. so usually the rule of thumb is like whatever that salary would be, you add like 20%, right? 30. Uh, for ben- 30%, 30 for benefits and all that stuff that right. you have to deal with. So 
Yeah, definitely. It doesn't hurt to ask. This uh, first question here is from Lucinda in Connecticut, and she's asking, I'm 36 with one child and plan on buying a home as soon as I can, but I want to, to get life insurance on myself and my child first. Is this a good idea? Lucinda, you don't buy life insurance on a child because a child, they mean everything to us, but they're a cost center. They're not an income producer. Life insurance on you to provide for the needs of your child that would be really great, and, and it's not going to be expensive. It's not going to deter you from being able to move forward ultimately with buying the home you want to buy, because if you buy what's known as level term life insurance, it's incredibly cheap. You could buy it just to cover the period of time until your young child becomes an adult, or you could buy it to cover a meaningful cycle of your working lifetime should be a 30-year policy. They typically are sold for 15, 20, or 30-year cycles. And I've got information, a briefing at Clark.com, how you go about buying level-term insurance. But the purpose of life insurance is to provide for replacement of income. And unless your child is a true prodigy that is generating a huge number of dollars based on who knows what business they're doing, then they do not need life insurance. So buy your level term policy, then buy the house? Right. Okay. Great. And the level term, I'm telling you, is so cheap to buy. We're talking just very few dollars for a meaningful amount of coverage. It's stunning how cheap it is if your health is good. From Brent in Ohio, I was out of work due to health for five years, then became a stay-at-home dad. Thankfully, my wife has a good job as a pharmacist. Now that my daughter is going to kindergarten and my health condition is under control, I returned to work last November. I'm making That's great news and I great know, news and great news. Congratulations, for sure. I'm making decent money, but as a 1099 contractor, I want to save, but not sure if this is the best time to start a fund. Do I work on paying down the mortgage with extra income or start a Roth IRA? I'm just not sure what my best direction is in this current climate. So, Brent, I don't know, and you didn't say what your mortgage interest rate is, but if you have a mortgage that is older than the last six months, you probably have such a low interest rate on the mortgage, there would be no incentive to pay down on that mortgage. And you setting up a Roth IRA, which you can set up with one of the low-cost companies that I talk about in my investment guide at Clark.com, where you hear me talk about Schwab Vanguard Fidelity, Schwab Vanguard Fidelity. And then I throw in from time to time, Betterment and Wealthfront. You can put money aside in that. It'll grow tax-free. You spend it tax-free. You do have another option, though, as a 1099. You can do a SEP, which allows you to shelter more of your money from tax. And uh, it allows you to put aside a lot more money than the 6000 you could put in a Roth. If you're interested in saving substantially more for retirement, the SEP gives you the current deduction from income, uh, grows tax-free through the years, and then everything in the account is ultimately taxed when you retire. The Roth works the opposite. There's no upfront benefit, but you receive it and all its earnings tax-free later in retirement. And that's an SEP IRA. I'm sorry. My diction is so no, poor. No, it's fine. I just Simplified sure. Employee Pension, referred to as a SEP IRA. 
Wendy in California says, I bought a duplex in LA three years ago and renovated both units. I live in one and the other has been vacant for two years. With all kinds of laws protecting delinquent LA renters and California residents, I was afraid to rent it out during the pandemic. Now LA says that the landlord is required to pay legally evicted renters an amount equal to one month's rent. Should I just keep the unit vacant instead of renting it out? No, 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 no. Okay, Wendy, first of all, laws like that drive me crazy. Because as a landlord, you have expenses and that somebody doesn't pay their rent and you have to evict them and then you have to give them a bonus of paying them money when you evict them. What are they thinking? I mean, my goodness. But you have the ability to qualify a tenant based on their credit standing. You can run background check. You can do all these things. And the reality is the uh, LA metro area is way short of rental units. It's terrible to leave that vacant. Most people just want a decent place to live, pay their rent on time, but do the work up front to make sure you've income and credit qualified the individual. There are many services that will help you do it for not much money. When you do the application with the prospective tenant, you can charge them an application fee that covers the costs of the checks that you run background and financial on that individual and do not worry about the fact there are people who game the system most people just want a place to live they want you to be able to make money from them so they got a place to put their head on a pillow at night so wow paying somebody (laughs) who didn't pay their rent as a bonus when you evict them That can't be. Oh, that can't be. That's horrible. Okay. Speaking of housing, thinking of living where you're going to live, the pandemic's had so many social, psychological, and every other kind of disruption to societies around the world and ourselves. And it's made people reassess what they want to do, where they want to be, and all the rest. Well, now people are moving far, far, far away from their home, wherever it is in the United States, even moving overseas. I want to talk about us having itchy feet, looking for new places to be coming up. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Americans for a good while this century were staying in place. The percent of people moving had gone way down as a result of two-income households. What was happening was back when households relied in a married couple on one income, one would get the one with the one income would get an opportunity to move somewhere else for a better career path, a promotion, whatever. And the family would pick up and move. And that all ground to a halt when we became a society where both people and a couple worked. And so it was hard for the trailing spouse or people were living together. It was hard for the trailing partner to disrupt and move because their career might go forward while the other person's career was going backward and vice versa. So people stayed in place. COVID completely blew that apart because we ended up in a situation where people could live wherever. I have a nephew, he and his wife both work. They both work jobs where they could work remotely. And they, during the pandemic, kept moving different places and maintained their jobs the whole time. They lived in Florida for a while. They lived in Arizona And one of them works for a tech company based in Seattle that eventually said, we want you here. We want you in the office. No more remote work. So my nephew was able to keep his job, keep doing what he was doing. And now they've picked up with their baby and they've moved to Seattle. Neither of them suffered a career penalty for having to make the move. And because of the ability in so many jobs, somewhere around 40%, of people are in jobs where they can work remotely all the time or some of the time. So now the penalty of making a move to a different geographic location has pretty much vanished for so many people. And so over the years, over, gosh, must be the last 20 years, I've talked about these incentives that a city here or a city there will offer where they're suffering from depopulation and they'll offer some kind of payment if you come live there or special incentives on housing or subsidized mortgage or whatever. Well, as a result of COVID, there are now dozens and dozens and dozens of communities around the country that are offering financial incentives to attract people to move there. And if you are looking for a more affordable place to live. You're living somewhere where you've never been able to afford a house. You can go somewhere else and you can actually afford to buy a house. You don't have to long commute anymore, whatever. And you can go to one of these places and it's just a whole different life. I mean, now people are actually doing it. Those things were all like flash in the pans. Now they're actually working. But I'll tell you, I always want you to rent when you go to one of these places first. Because you may get to whatever and think, oh, this is great. Look how relaxing everything is. 
And then three months later, you're like, I am bored to death. I can't stand living here. I miss the traffic. I miss the pollution. I miss the crowds and the high prices. You don't want to be stuck with the place you bought. Give it a trial run. Same thing I say with all these people that like the big thing now used to be big thing. You move to Mexico or Central America. A lot of Americans, particularly retirees, have been moving to Mexico or Central America because they weren't able through their working lifetime to save a lot of money. And they move because even just their social security check allows them to live a semblance of a middle class lifestyle living in Mexico or Central America. Well, as I've always said with that, don't buy a place. Go rent, rent, rent. Make sure it fits you. And now this movement of people going to Europe, Portugal's really in with Americans, Spain, Italy, some Americans going to Greece, Montenegro, another place uh, used to be part of Yugoslavia, now it's own place, Montenegro. And Americans are going to these places and they're setting up new lives in them because the living costs are lower. They like the weather, the ambiance, whatever. Rent, rent, rent first. Maybe long term, maybe eventually you'll buy, but give it some time. All right, so Krista, I've just, in your mind, I've just put the whole globe in front of you. Mm-hmm. Whole globe. Oh my gosh. If you could live anywhere, you've been, you've been to Every continent now, right? Except Antarctica, Antarctica like me. Mm-hmm. So you've seen oh so gosh. much of the world. I don't know. There's so many da, places. Da, da, da. Come There's on, so game show. Places. Where would you go? Where'd you go? Come on. Gut <sighs> feeling. Know. I guess Italy, probably, because I've been there the most and I love Italy. But I'd be nervous to buy property anywhere because of their country's laws and everything, and you just don't know what's going to happen. It would a lot of people I hear, oh, you should buy property in South America. It's a great investment, but I mean, what happens if the government changes, right? And your the laws change, gone, whatever. Uh, private property rights, yeah, depending on you know you end up this kind of government or that kind of government. Yeah, I'd love to be. Really tra- nice. I'd like to hop every six months from place to place to experience different countries. That's what I would love to do. For a while. You'd want to do what my oldest brother did, Gary. Yes, I love what he did. They lived out of a suitcase for years, traveling the globe. And they had a blast. They did. Till it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. They kept traveling till it wasn't fun anymore. And then they settled in Jacksonville Beach, Florida. I love it. All right. Well, should I get to some questions here? Angie in Texas is actually moving. I may be moving out of state for a new job. What tips can you provide about using a moving company? What do I need to be mindful of before selecting one? And how does the insurance work and how much should one purchase to cover items? And I'm also looking to have my car transported with my items because of current medical conditions. Do you consider this an issue? Yeah, the moving industry is very, very difficult. There are a lot of very dishonest rogue players in the moving industry. And you've got to be so so careful because there are so many dirty players in the moving industry and i want you to know that even legitimate movers are having a really hard time right now with labor so it's hard to get a really solid good move done Um, i want to send you to the website moving.org that has programs to help you select a real mover do not 
Google a mover unless you don't like any of your possessions and don't like your wallet. There are so many crooked, phony hoodlums. There are also a lot of apparently mafia-connected movers that steal your possessions and hold them hostage. It is a terrible, terrible problem. So I hope I've made you completely paranoid, which is what I'm trying to do, so you will be extra careful and start at moving.org. Read that stuff. The insurance. A mover does not cover your possessions. You have to buy from them coverage for your move. I recommend you buy replacement value coverage with a deductible of a few hundred dollars so that things get lost, stolen, damaged. You will have it replaced with a new like item and not arguing about, well, that's so depreciated, we'll give you 12 cents for it. Videotape with your phone of all your possessions before they're packed up. And you should be okay on that. Moving the car. There's a website called uship.com. The letter uship.com has a lot of these car carriers that will bid on your move. You tell them where the car is, where you want it to go, when you'd like it to go, what range of time is acceptable for you, and they come back with bids. You can read reviews, the cheapest, maybe best, maybe not, depending on uh, the reputation that that mover, that vehicle mover has developed over time. And this is from Christine, who's also in Texas. How can I keep a collection off of my credit? I have an 830 score. My drug plan said there would be no charge on a drug I typically pay $18 for in January. So I had the doctor send the RX to a mail order company. Once confirmed, the pharmacy said the charge was $150. Unfortunately, I had approved this on a basis of paying $0. I immediately canceled, but they shipped it anyway. I'm not going to pay $150 for an $18 drug. They threaten collections, even though the drug plan admits their employee advised me incorrectly. Is there anything I can do? Okay, so this is a huge company And they are one of the most expensive you can get drugs from ever at any time. Um, If you refuse, basically a third of prescriptions are abandoned at the pharmacy counter. And because people will find out how much they cost, they don't fill them. They don't take the drug. In this case, mailed to you. There should be a procedure with them to return it since you had no idea it would not be free. It is idiotic and mean-spirited of this company to tell you that they are not going to take it back and they're instead going to try to ruin your credit. What you do with this company, they are a giant bureaucratic outfit. They do not mean evil or harm to you. They're just a heartless, incompetent corporation, bureaucratic corporation. File a complaint against them at BBB.org, the Better Business Bureau, and I'm betting that you will get this resolved to your satisfaction. And it's a terrible, terrible problem that goes on with pharmaceuticals if you don't know the price up front. And these people are saying, oh, well, yeah, it's so much money, but we're going to charge you for it anyway, even though we told you it was going to be free. It's just not acceptable, and that's why you file a complaint. Now, there's something else ancillary, and it does not apply, in my knowledge, to prescriptions. But as I've been sharing with you, there's a phase in of new rules governing medical debt. 
and how they'll affect you on your credit. And more and more by January of next year, more and more debts that you have medically will no longer appear on your credit up to basically $999. And it's a great improvement because so often medical billing is so messed up and your credit would be ruined anyway. Uh, Most of the items listed with debt collectors, most in the country now, are medical because the medical industry is so fouled up and their billing so messed up and insurance so messed up. So that is a good improvement. And I want you to know that it doesn't mean you ignore your bills. It just means you are going to have more rights, more protection than you've had in the past. You know, if you need advice, I got the vitamin for you and it is free. And that's advice from our team, Clark Consumer Action Center. Been there for 30 years almost, serving you 30 hours each week, 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon Eastern Time, giving you free one-on-one advice and guidance from Team Clark's Consumer Action Center. If you want to get that advice, call 636-49-CLARK. 636-49-CLARK. 